0: 70 WTBN Pinellas Park 100.3 W262CP Bayonet Point Online at portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time.
1: Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time.
0: Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Now why would Paul say this? Simply because the natural tendency in many congregations is to fight their elders, to resent these men for having authority over them and telling them what to do. And that's why Paul states at the end, notice of verse 13, live in peace with one another. In other words, don't fight and resist your elders, your leaders.
1: The passage Pastor Steve Kreloff was just referring to was in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 and 13. Paul said, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're just about midway through a series of very practical Bible lessons about the nature of the church. Something distressing that I've seen in more than one church is what I call a spirit of grumbling. It may be demonically inspired, but it might also just be human nature rearing its ugly head. And if you read the book of Exodus, you'll remember that that attitude leads to disaster. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul cautioned us about the danger of certain attitudes and used the Israelites in the wilderness as examples. In verse 10, he continued the list of bad behaviors. He said, "'Nor grumble.'" as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction. I believe that one reason Scripture emphasizes harmony with our local church leaders is that we need that harmony in order for them to be effective teachers and mentors. So before we get into this subject of living in peace with our elders, let's take a closer look at their role as teachers. Here's Pastor Steve with today's lesson.
0: Notice what he says in First Timothy 4, verse 13. This would be my definition of expository biblical preaching. He says to Timothy, until I come, meaning until I get back with you, Timothy, here's what you're to do in the church. Pay attention or give yourself, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. You know what biblical preaching and teaching is? Read the text, explain the meaning of the text, and exhort people to obey the text. That's it, that's it. That's what Paul said, Timothy, you're to do as my representative, do that until I return. And when I return, I'll continue doing that. That's the implication. In 1 Timothy 5.17, which we've uh, already touched upon in previous weeks, he says, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, that's financial remuneration, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. All elders work at preaching and teaching, some labor more than others because of their situations and callings. In Titus, if you look over at Titus chapter 1 verse, verse 9 and following, here's what elders have to do holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching so that he'll be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict for there are many rebellious men empty talkers and deceivers especially those of the circumcision He's talking about false Jewish teachers who he says They must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. Paul says that an elder needs to know the word well enough to teach sound doctrine to protect the flock and to refute error. Because there are some people who are upsetting whole households, he goes on to say. In Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7, the writer says, obey them that have the rule over you. And just before that, he says that we are to imitate the faith of those who taught us the word of God. The, the first leaders in the church, whatever that church was, uh, we don't know a whole lot about the Hebrews and their background, but whatever this Jewish assembly was and whoever founded it, their initial leaders taught them the word of God. And then 1 Peter 5, 2, shepherd, Peter says, the flock of God among you, he tells the elders. Uh, Shepherd has a number of responsibilities, but his primary responsibility is to feed the sheep. So we affirm that in the early church, the elders of various congregations clearly understood that the reason God had raised them up to lead the church and to care for the souls of their flocks, the way they did it was by instructing them in the truths of the word of God. However, there came a time when that was threatened. There came a time at the beginning of the formation of the church when this commitment to teaching was threatened by important needs that arose in the church. Let me show you. Go back, if you will, to Acts. Acts chapter 6. This was a serious and potentially dangerous situation. Although they may not have recognized it completely at the time, it could have changed church history. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, so the churches were growing, this church was growing, A complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews. Hellenistic Jews were Jewish people who, who their primary language was Greek, not, not Hebrew. They were certainly Jewish, but they, their first Language was Greek. And the native Hebrews would be Jewish people whose first language was Hebrew. So there was a conflict, a complaint that arose because their widows, the Hellenistic Jewish widows, the Greek Jewish widows, were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the 12 summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it's not desirable for us to re- neglect the word of God in order to serve Tables. Now notice that. They said we can't come away from teaching scripture to serve tables. We can't solve this problem by serving tables. We would neglect the priorities of teaching. Therefore, they said, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. What a wonderful thing they, they did for us because they forever set the priority of the Word of God. The text goes on to say that they did choose seven men. These were the, either the early deacons, the first deacons, or certainly the men who functioned as deacons. And they took care of it so that the elders or the apostles could go back to teaching the Word and to. Praying. Commenting on this issue of elders being drawn away from the primacy of teaching God's word and praying, John MacArthur has written, Understandably, elders cannot afford to allow themselves to be consumed with business details, public relations, minor financial matters, and other particulars of the day-to-day operation of the church. They are to devote themselves, first of all, to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And, he says, select others to handle the lesser matters. That's how you do it. But you don't neglect the word. It is a sad thing, though, that this is not followed in many, if not most, evangelical churches today. Churches that claim to doctrinally believe every word of Scripture, but they don't do it. They don't teach every word of Scripture. They hardly teach the Bible. And Why don't they emphasize Bible teaching? Because, generally speaking, these pastors become too busy doing other things that prevent them from sermon and lesson preparation. Several months ago, I received a form letter from a pastor, I would assume written to pastors all over our country, that uh, I think will give you some insight as to why pastors today are not focused as they should be on teaching their people. The letter comes from a pastor in Arkansas advertising a website that he was starting where pastors can quickly get all kinds of fresh thoughts for their sermons without having to spend the whole lot of time personally trying to gather this information. And here's what this pastor writes. I suspect we have this in common. As pastors, we're both wearing more hats than we ever dreamed possible. While I would love to have large blocks of time set aside for study, research, and reflection, the fact of the matter is life and death, babies, conferences, hospital visits, Sunday mornings, staff meetings, community involvement, budget issues, crisis management. Well, he says, you get the point. Have a way of interrupting our plans. Now, when you read something like that, you can begin to understand why so many Christians, though they may be in church every single Sunday and sometimes twice, are clueless when it comes to understanding biblical truth, why they lack discernment in distinguishing error from truth. It's because of their lack of understanding the word of God and To a large degree, they lack understanding of scripture because their pastors are not teaching them the word of God, maybe their parents too. But in the church, they're not being taught the word of God. Bible teaching just is not a a, a premium. And I've been emphasizing our own country, but I remember a few years ago teaching in an island off the coast of uh, Italy and I gave several days my course on expository preaching and I was to speak in one of the churches on Sunday. Now, this is, folks, after a whole, well, days of pouring out my heart of the importance of study time and sermon preparation, here's how you do it, I said to the uh, the man who was in charge, I said, now, how long should I plan to speak on Sunday? He said, oh, 10 minutes. That was it, 10 minutes. Uh, of course, in all fairness to him, it would be 20 minutes because it's worked through a translator, but still, 20 minutes. So, uh some of the Italian brethren who heard this appealed to him and he said take as much time as you want he was shamed into it but you know no wonder the churches are weak 10 minute even 20 minute little sermonettes don't, don't cut it and then many who think they're being fed on Sunday mornings are not because they think that when their pastors mention a Bible verse just mention it then, then that is Bible teaching no It's not mentioning a Bible verse and then running off into various story after story. That's not biblical preaching, nor is talking about the Bible biblical preaching. Biblical preaching is letting the text of Scripture talk for itself in the sense that the teacher explains the meaning of the text and then exhorts people to obey it. What did the writer mean by what he said? That's biblical teaching. See, unlike today's busy pastors, the apostles made sure that nothing got in the way of teaching the word of God. As important as it was to make sure that these dear widows were taken care of, they said, we cannot neglect the word of God. That's why churches have deacons and deaconesses and multiple staffs and people who come alongside of leaders and say, we'll, we'll help carry the load so you can concentrate on teaching and study time. That's exactly what busy pastors need to do today. Concentrate on that. They need to make Bible instruction a priority in their church. But why? Why make such a big deal, folks, about teaching the Bible when there are so many other pressing matters to address in the church? Because that is how Jesus rules his church. It's as simple as that. That's how Christ rules and cares for his church. He appoints pastors, elders, who will lovingly and tenderly shepherd his sheep by feeding them the meat and milk of the word of God. See, that's why I say the authority of scripture all goes back to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16. I will build my church. It belongs to me, and here's how I'm going to rule it. I rule it through the word, and the word is opened up as elders and teachers and pastors do this. See, having loved us enough to elect us to salvation in eternity past, die in our place on the cross, and then bring us into his kingdom, Jesus now cares for our welfare by entrusting us to those he has assigned to minister his word to us. Why is it so important that the word is ministered to us? Listen, because until we're safely home in glory, we are all vulnerable to error error that will hinder us from obeying and submitting to Christ as our Lord and master. We must constantly be fed the word of God to keep us on track. That's what Ephesians 4 says, that pastor teachers are given to the church so that the church will grow in him and not be like children who are, who are naive and prone to listen to anything that anyone tells them. We're not to be up and down like that. We are to grow and listen to the head of the church as he teaches us through his word. So I think it's very important that everyone associated with Lakeside understand why we emphasize teaching the Bible here throughout the entire ministry of our church, from the young children on up. It's because this is how Christ, the head of his church, Rules, leads, and protects his people. You see, each week as your pastors teach you the word of God, note this, they are actually standing in the place of Christ. They are representing him in his rule over you. In other words, they are his delegated leaders acting with his authority as his under shepherds to rule and lead you by instructing you in his word. And that's why the Bible puts such a high premium on telling Christians to obey and even respect their church leaders because Christ rules through them. Let me show you this. I think this is so important. If you understand, well, let's look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. If you understand this order of delegated authority, Christ is ruling his church through these men. You understand to obey the teaching of your elders as they teach the word of God, is really to obey Jesus Christ himself. Not that they are Christ, certainly, but they are in his place of delegated authority. Look at Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. As those who will give an account, let them do this with joy, not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. In other words, a church congregation is accountable to obey and submit to their elders. And elders then are accountable to the Lord for the way that they lead his church. So when a church cooperates and obeys its elders, then their ministry becomes a joy rather than the writer saying it could be a grievous task. The Apostle Paul takes this matter of the church responding to its leaders a step further when he tells them about the attitude that they should have towards their leaders. I'd like you all to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's not just a matter of obey. It's a matter of obey with the right attitude. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now these men actually are not even called elders here. I suspect that this was such an early uh, or young church that, that the men were not given the official title of elders, but they function that way. And that's why Paul exhorts the church to recognize them and, and love them. Much like a church I'm familiar with in, um, in Italy that has some men in leadership. But it's such a, a new church that they're not called elders yet. But they function that way. I think that's the situation here. Notice what Paul says in verse 12 of chapter 5. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you. The word appreciate is, should be translated know them. Know them who labor diligently among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Now in these verses, Paul uses several words to indicate how a church congregation should respond to its leaders. He says, appreciate them. But literally, this Greek word is to know them. To know them. Paul means make it your business to know the leaders of your church. Probably in this early church, uh, this young church at Thessalonica, the people didn't even know who, who are the leaders here. But it's the responsibility of the congregation to get to know them. Then he says, esteem them and love them. In other words, the people in a church should make every effort to get to know and become acquainted with their leaders, those who do lead them and instruct them in the word of God so that here's why they need to know them so that they can respond properly to them by showing them great esteem and love in the Lord. Why? For their work's sake. And what is their work? Instructing the congregation in the word of God. Now why would Paul say this? Simply because the natural tendency in many congregations, and I think this is what was going on in Thessalonica, is to fight their elders, to resent these men for having authority over them and telling them what to do. And that's why Paul states at the end, notice of verse 13, live in peace with one another. In other words, don't fight and resist your elders, your leaders. Listen, I've been here for many years. In fact, um, this month marks my 27th year as pastor and teacher of Lakeside And over the years, I have seen people who have negative attitudes towards the elders, people who mistrust the elders, questioning their every decision. Why did they come up with that? Thinking the worst of their motives, being very suspicious, perceiving them as men who gather in some back room here and have nothing better to do than to come up with some rule that will make the congregation's life miserable. That's how many perceive their elders. Now, that may be an exaggeration to some degree, but not that far from it. And there are some who who just have this negative attitude towards leaders. Now, I'm, there's nothing going on behind the scenes. I have no agenda. There's nothing I know of no over-rebellion. I'm not saying it because of that. Uh, I just think that there's a general tendency for people to mistrust elders in the church. And that's why Paul says, don't fight them. Don't stand in opposition. But esteem them in love because of the work they do for you. And what is that work? They act on behalf of Christ by leading you spiritually as they instruct you in the word of God. See, folks, how you respond to the elders of your church does indicate a great deal about your relationship with Jesus Christ because your submission to human teachers does reveal your submission to the divine teacher and leader, the Lord himself. If you've been converted, then you've had a change of heart. Then your attitude should be to submit to Christ. If you're going to submit to Christ through his word, then you need to submit to those who teach you because they simply explain to you what our head, the head of the church, wants us to do. Now, I want to tie this into the Lord's Supper. Romans chapter 14 tells us that Christ died so that he would be Lord of our lives, every area of our lives. Romans chapter 14, starting in verse seven. For no one, no one of us lives for himself. He's talking to believers and no one dies for himself. But if we live, we live for the Lord. That ought to be the way a Christian is. We live for the Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We belong to him. We're his church. For to this end, meaning this is the purpose, this is the ultimate goal, to this end, Christ died and lived again that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why did Christ die on the cross? Why did he rise again? So that those in his church would make sure that he's their Lord, he would be the Lord of the church. If he's the Lord of the church, we make sure that every area of our life is in submission to him. He rules us through his word. You've got to obey those who teach you as they open up the word to you. That is obedience to the Lord. Let's bow for prayer and think about this as we consider the Lord's Supper. Because the Lord's Supper is nothing more than remembering Christ's precious death on the cross for us. His death so that he would bring about a people who would love him and submit to him. Is there any area of your life that's not in submission to the word of God? Anything glaring that you're aware of that you've not repented of? Don't, don't let another moment go by without repenting and making changes to conform to the word of God. How about your attitude towards your leaders? Do you look at them as a negative or do you esteem them in love? Have you gotten to know them? That's what Paul said we should do. It all goes back to the proper response to the head of the church, even Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for allowing us to see this, see this precious truth of how you lead your church. And now as we remember Your death on our behalf, Lord, may we be those who respond properly to be led by you. Lord, we want to obey the word of God because it is the word of God. We want the authority of the scripture to rule in our lives because these are your words. And we want to learn from those who teach us because you've gifted them to teach us. So we pray that these truths will be received. We pray that we might remember you now and the glorious gospel of Christ paying for our sins. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. How about you? Are you actively supporting and encouraging the leaders in your own local church? If they're not godly leaders, then ask the Lord to replace them with godly men. But if they are godly men, it's an act of rebellion against Jesus to resist their leadership. That doesn't mean we always have to agree with each decision. It's not a bad thing to go to an elder, in fact, and express your view and ask for more explanation. But in the end, we need to act like a team. I have a friend who disagreed completely with an elder decision one time, but he never once resisted it. Almost a year later, one of them thanked him for coming around to their point of view. He responded, what makes you think I changed my mind? Unity and harmony do not require total agreement, but they do require love and mutual respect. Thanks for tuning in today to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you'd like more information about Verse by Verse, check out our website, versebyverseradio.org. Verse by Verse is listener supported, so if the Lord is moving you in that direction, we encourage you to find out how easy it is to help fund these Bible classes of the air by going to the giving page on our website. I'm your announcer, Jerry Peterson. All of us at Verse by Verse praise the Lord for the generous listeners who give over and above their usual giving to their local church to help pay for the production and broadcast of Verse by Verse. I say over and above your regular church giving in the hope that you do give regularly and generously to your home church. It's not just important to your leadership that you support the church financially. It's important to the Lord. And if you're already doing that, thank you. How we give and how we spend says more
0: about...